Welcome back to Chatting with Copywriters Season 2. I'm your co-host, Bobby, And I'm Kimberly. This season, we have more of your favorite ad breakdowns, insider marketing and copywriting tips, interviews, and more wacky questions that lead into interesting marketing subjects. In this episode of Chatting with Copywriters, Bobby and I are going to be talking about how to use claim and proof in your copy so that it's not boring. But as always, before we dive into our marketing topic for today, Bobby has a fun question for me because we like to relate random things back to marketing. So Bobby, what is my question today? When was the last time or any time (laughs) that you either went to a place, visited, you know, went to a restaurant, went to a location based on somebody else's recommendation? Oh, based on someone else's recommendation. Uh, Hmm. Uh, You know, I got a great story. It's not mine, but it's my parents. Uh, So (laughs) we have a friend who was in the army and he was stationed at where the Patton Museum was uh, during his officer training. Uh, Now, of course, this was like 25, 30 years ago, and he raved and raved and raved about this awesome museum they had on site, and they had all of these old tanks, and it was like this really in-depth, great, fantastic museum because both him and my father are huge military history buffs, and they were all excited, right? They like planned this whole trip around being able to spend a full day at this museum. And of course, they were doing other things, right, uh, around this trip. But they were super, super stoked to go. And they went on this recommendation, right? My my parents and uh, these friends of ours, they went on a a trip to go visit this museum. It was like day three, right? They get there. And there's these big, empty cement blocks with nothing on them. They get into the building. There's like one section it took 45 minutes to go through. And that was the entirety of the museum because they had recently moved, like there used to be all these old tanks and everything. They Mm -hmm. had recently created a new location specifically for all of these old military hardware things at another base. I don't remember where the new base was. And they had, they were like in the process of moving everything. They had all of these like cement slabs outside that used to hold like tanks and huge airplanes and all these different things. And they were empty. <laughs> and the museum that he had remembered, which, you know, talked about Patton, but also talked about a ton of other things because it was a mixed museum and they had decided to ship everything out. Uh, so, you know, they went based on the recommendation. They planned this whole trip like with this at the highlight of it. And they get there and they spent like 40 minutes there. I that that sounds like just really bad research on the the part of your parents to try and figure out is the museum still there and even is it open it's almost like being so let down he's like you get to a place and it's like closed for the summer (laughs) well and that was the thing like it was still listed as the museum because they were still in the process of moving it so like the new one wasn't open yet or it was going to open in like two weeks or something so they hadn't changed the official stuff though that's such a huge letdown such a huge letdown yeah that's so awesome um (laughs) how about you yeah so um for me, it would have been a movie. Very similar idea though, right? Just massive letdown for me. Mm. And it was Fury, was it the Fury, Fury Road, Max, whatever his thing is? Mad Max Fury Road. 
Mad Max Fury Road. Everybody, I mean, short of like myself, everybody was raving about this darn movie. Hmm. It's supposed to, it was supposed to be like one of the best and oh my God, it's amazing. And I am just sitting there watching it going, what in the world am I watching? (laughs) This is, it doesn't make any sense. They drive all the way out to the middle of, I mean, they start in the middle of nowhere. They drive to the middle of nowhere to turn around and drive back to the place where they started from. And that's the movie. I mean, the movie was just, it was just, it was ridiculous. It was (laughs) raved about by critics and audiences alike and all sorts of things. Right. And I'm just, I just, I was absolutely let down by it. Yeah. That sounds like my experience with the Expendables. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I could see that being a, a letdown movie, but although I, I, I enjoyed that one. <laughs> no, I, I was so glad I didn't pay money for it. Let me tell you. I mean, everyone was raving about it. All the critics were raving. Oh, all these great action stars got together. And I sat and I was like, there's explosions. There's fighting. Yeah, but that's the genre. Yes, but the genre should have a plot and a story, and there wasn't no, that's one why because it was all explode. ridiculous. That's why no, things explode. I like things that explode. No- I like action <laughs> movies, but you know what? Mission Impossible has a story, and the Bourne yeah, movies the have a story. story over and over and over and over again. I mean, I it's said Mission like Impossible, not two in- through seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being stuck in Groundhog Day, which was a great well, movie. That is a good movie. That is a good uh, movie. But anyway, Absolutely. so, you know, what we're, what, kind of what we're getting into today is claim and, claim and proof. And we've done it, you know, we've, we've kind of shown when it's done wrong or hyped up incorrectly or, or even has changed since, you know, the last time that somebody had seen it. But it's about, you know, what is the claim? So the claim for, for your parents was this is like the most amazing um, museum ever devoted yes. to General Patton. And then there was the, well, yeah, we're still here as a museum, but not really. We're a shadow of our former self. So uh, the claim, big, big, tiny shadow of their former the, self. The, the claim and proof there was, it, it, didn't, it didn't match. And while the proof was a social proof of sorts, if the mm. website hadn't been updated or if the information available that the museum didn't let you know that they were moving until you got there. There's a big claim of, hey, we're a museum, but we're only a small fraction of the museum that we will be because we're moving or stuff. So there's claim and proof that was mismatched along the way. Same thing in my experience where the claim from everybody and all the critics was this was the movie of the like millennium you were supposed to go see. And it just, it fell short for me because I'm just, why? I don't even get the whole point of the movie. Um, But, you know, so claim claim and proof is something that everybody deals with when they have something to sell, whether it's a product or a service or, you know, a a, a physical product, a digital product. It doesn't matter what it is. There's always, there is always a claim of some sort. Your product does something, your service Mm -hmm. does something, and then there's the proof element. So how do you balance between the two? Because if it's just claim, 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 number one, depending on what it is that you're selling, there's a lot of platforms you can't actually advertise on because it's nothing but claim, 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 claim. And then there's the proof element of it. And again, depending on what you're selling, if there's nothing but proof and how you prove it, again, there's a lot of platforms that you can't be selling on. So how do you balance the two, Kimberly? I mean, one of the things to keep in mind is, you know, uh, skirting the line of too good to be true. 
Uh, so when, you know, if you get that claim or that proof that we're talking about, and as you were talking about where it's all claim, 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 and nothing to back it up, then people are like, oh, I've heard this before. Yes, everyone claims they have this amazing miracle cure for whatever your problem is. And it can't be true because everything is, is claim, 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 claim. And I think one of the, the really, the easiest ways, I guess you could talk about to kind of make claims real, you know, statistics are numbers. Claims are, you know, out there in the world. But one of the ways to kind of make it more real, not make it as hypey as what we're talking about, is to add the benefits, is to add the emotional aspect. You know, what does that claim mean for the ideal buyer? How would that claim translate to my life as opposed to 74% of people claim that this is, I don't know, uh, this dog food has uh, made, made Peppy the happiest dog in the world, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then relating it back to just imagine if your dog woke you up in the morning again every day by licking your face and hopping on the bed because they're no longer uh, – they can jump again, something like that, right? It's, it's adding that emotional and benefit-oriented language to making the claims real, to making the numbers something that people can actually understand and relate to. Um, that's one of the ways, uh, you know, interjecting between, you don't want a, a four paragraphs full of numbers because then that's just too many numbers for people to keep track of, but you also don't mm. want four paragraphs of, this testimonial and this testimonial and this testimonial and this testimonial because you have to interject with uh, that fine balance. And, you know, finding that balance uh, can be difficult. You know, some people claim the one-to-one, right? Every time you introduce a study, you should introduce benefit. Uh, Others say, you know, two-to-one. It just, you know, it depends on the audience and it depends on the market. But I I am a big believer in not putting, you know, all claims on a page and all proof on a page. How about you? I, I tend to follow the ratio of one claim, three elements of proof. Yes. That's, that's okay. a, I, I, I think I do one to two, one to three usually. And, and, and for me, so one of my, one of my favorite stories that I have is walking down the streets of New York. One of the, I don't even care what borough I was walking down the streets of, because to me, New York is just one giant city. And um, so I'm walking down the street and there's probably five different locations that are advertising the world's best coffee. <laughs> so that best coffee huh? in and of itself is a claim, right? It's a claim. Yes. It's the world's best coffee. But how do you prove that? Especially when within less than a city block, You've got five other places that are also claiming to be the world's best coffee. Mm. So I walked in to one of these places because I was hungry. So I got myself a little sandwich and I said, I just had to come to a place that was selling the world's best coffee. What makes it the world's best coffee? And the guy was like, because we have a sign. Oh, that's a great reason. And I'm like, okay, well, there's at least a because there, but a little bit more, right? You know, and so how do you prove that you have the world's best coffee on something that is so subjective? I mean, granted, I don't drink coffee, but everybody else, it's a very personal thing. So how do you prove such a claim? Well, that's a claim that is literally unprovable. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I can name a couple of different brands of coffee that might qualify for world's best coffee, but I don't, um, you know, with, with not drinking it, it's hard for me to quantify that. And that's really where it comes down to those three elements of proof. So if it's the world's best coffee, because what's that brand? There's a brand of coffee and we don't necessarily have to talk about the brand itself, but it's a brand of coffee that is digested by cats. And so they pick the beans out of uh, what happens after digestion. <laughs> and that's where the coffee comes from. They like grind it. And I'm like, oh dear God, there was, there's something wrong with that. But if that's your thing and that's the world's best coffee because it goes through this process. That's disturbing. How do you prove it? It is very disturbing just thinking about it. But, um, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so, okay. Cause I was so going to say for a lot there. of people, the world's best coffee relates to two things, the beans and the filtration system. Uh, so mm-hmm. one is, you know, the kind of bean it is. And the mm-hmm. second part is how did you make that bean into coffee? Did you use a French press? Did you use percolator? Did you use, um, the, uh, the single serve cups? You know, did you, but you all start, of those different options. And, and well, but you start to take this very broad, very unprovable claim of the world's best coffee, and maybe it can be the world's best French pressed coffee. Right. Now you're going, okay, that's something I might be able to prove and, and give proof elements behind it. You know, here we've mm-hmm. you've done taste tests and blind taste tests, an element of proof, right? The studies, yes. it is a study that follows to prove the claim that you just did. So uh, studies and scientific evidence like that is one element of proof that you can use to back the claim, right? Or it could be, it's the world's best coffee because these 4,000 celebrities will only drink this coffee and it's the most, yes. you know, the most, requ- if it's the most requested coffee. In most requested Hollywood. coffee in green rooms. Yeah, there you go. You know, and so therefore it's a, that's a, that's a claim that you can then back up with the element of proof, which is, and it's social proof, but it's also, there's numbers behind, you know, behind it. Then you can get the testimonial of, you know, A-list celebrity X, Y, and Z will only go in a green room if this coffee is available, right? So there's so many different things that you can put in behind that. And I mean, we're, we're going, you know, crazy and fantasy level <laughs> when you're talking about coffee, but there's a lot of places that do this and they make this claim and that we're the number one insurer of name a city and state in, mm-hmm. in the United States. And you will find, you, you can research the number one insurer and you're like, but okay, that's a claim. So where's mm-hmm. the proof behind it, right? You can't yeah. get the proof behind it. I mean, that's part of the problem there is you made a claim that is almost unprovable. Indeed. I, um, you know, I was uh, driving by my old high school, actually, and they have this huge sign that says, you know, a ranked a top high school in U.S. News and World Report. And I was like, that's but interesting. But there's authority. There's uh-uh, authority but, is a, is however, it's, it's, it's perverted authority because I went and I looked <laughs> – Okay, at these rankings. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, oh, they made the list. You know, it's ranked like 2200 in the United States. Uh, now, if you narrow it down to the states, then, you know, they're like the top 25. But if you narrow it further down to the metro area, then it's like they're the top 20. Marketing at its best, right? It's marketing like marketing it's, it's, at its best. We found it was so something. intriguing to me because you know they have this claim. Oh, we made the report, 
But then, you know, that's enough, right? Oh, you made the report. That's enough for Mm -hmm. a lot of people to say, okay, that's really great. But then you look further and it's not actually that great a feat. (laughs) This is, this is where that giant headline says the number one, what, what was it? Number one rated school? Number one rated no, school. No, no, no. It was a top ranked school in U.S. News and World Report. Okay. So then it's top ranked school in U.S. News and World Report. And then oh, yes. the almost illegible tiny footprint says <laughs> in, you know, Podunk, Ohio, right? Or right. wherever it is, right? You know? I mean, it wasn't quite that bad, but like four other high schools within the district ranked higher, you know? Like, that doesn't matter. Because right. That's the difference between saying that we're the number one ranked and yes. just top ranked. Because here's the deal yes. top ranked on what list? Right? Yes, and top so ranked on what list? Even, even if, which by the way is one of my, our favorite marketing phrases, even oh, if. Oh, yes. Even if. Gotta love it. Even if it's, in the top 2,500 ranked schools, there's mm-hmm. more than 2,500 schools in the country. And yep. so it can still be a top ranked high school or school, whatever it was, right? Um, based on the language that you use. It's why top ranked, it's very, um, it's very fluid. There's, there's not a lot of concreteness to it. And right. so you can use it as your claim, but then there's the proof and the element in the background that has to come from um, so that people can go, oh, okay, so it's not just a claim you made up and pulled out of your rear end. Also right, no, known you can as go to the website, you can look it up. Down, you know? Yeah, you can so. go to the website, you can look it up, you can see where it is. But when talking about products and services, especially, you know, you have the claim, but that's why it's so important to then use the proof to explain the claim or to make the claim more real. Because as you were talking mm-hmm. about, right, top ranked, you know, best coffee, best coffee where? Is it best coffee in New York? That would be a claim. Or is it uh, best coffee serving fair trade certified coffee? Uh, that's another type of claim you can make. It's the best coffee on the corner of First and Main, right? And you're like, there you go. The only coffee on the corner, All right? So, but there's there's so many different ways. But the there there's there's actually um, seven different ways that you can prove a claim. We've talked about a couple of them, in, you know, today being studies authority pieces. So, you know, U.S. News and, and, and those types of place, things. We've talked about testimonials. We've talked about other types of social proof. You know, we've, um, so we've talked about, you know, several of the different ways that you can prove a claim. And it's incredibly important to do so because it's not just we say that this is what's going on. It's I can back this up with stats, figures, and other forms of proof in order to really help you as my customer go, oh, okay, so maybe this is what you're really, you know, you're telling me something that is true because I have all these different elements of proof. And it's really important to make sure that you stack them to where there's more proof elements than there are claims, but they do, there still has to be a balance because you're right. Just, you know, a page of 2000 testimonials means nothing if all I'm going to do is pick the first three and they may not even be the best. Exactly. And, you know, finding that balance it can be difficult. You know, one of the a starting point, like we talked about, is one to two or one to three for every claim, have three elements of proof, or for every claim, have two elements of proof. Uh, and, you know, making sure that your proof is from authorities that your audience trusts, right? If you're uh, a brand, I don't know, that's uh, all about you want to attract hipsters, okay? And, and you're using uh, the authority of uh, 4,000 celebrities like what we do, but those 4,000 celebrities are not people that your audience uh, 
follows or even knows or even likes. Like, let's say they're 4,000 uh, sports stars and your hipsters are all about, uh, I don't know, um, <laughs> uh, blues singers, right? If you're going to use, oh, everyone in the NFL drinks this and they're going to be like, well, I don't care about sports. Why should I drink this? Right? So mm. making sure that your proof elements match your audience and who you're talking to, that they are authorities, but that they're authorities in the market that you're talking about. Yes. It would be like being in a golf magazine and saying that Brad Pitt uses these clubs. You're like, I don't care because the question is, is he good or not? Right. But you could go Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholson, right? Those are your authorities in that space. You want to make sure that it's matching for the audience in which you're, you're trying to, to go through when you're going to pull those types of authorities. Absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about balancing proof and claims, about not, you know, uh, front loading all claims or all proof. Both of them need to be balanced together. There's a couple of different ratios you can try, but in general, having a balance at all, having a, having a switch off at all is better than having just a full page of one or the other. And, you know, places you can get those, uh, those proof elements to use, as we talked about, surveys, uh, customer stories, authority figures, authority figures in the space, celebrities, that kind of a thing. Any closing thoughts on uh, how to make proof and claims a uh, part of your copy and in an interesting way? I am going to tell you that the ratio of one to three is more of a psychological thing. The human brain loves threes. And so if you do less than three, the, you, don't ca you don't capture a psychological aspect that goes on behind the brain. So um, while... I know that you've said one to two. I, I'm going to just urge everybody to use at least three. You can do more, but at least three because the brain loves that number of three. It likes those different options. It's a psychological thing. Definitely. And when using the three, um, if you're going to do more than three, to do uh, groupings of three. So do six or do nine because uh, uh, the, the brain does notice the, that, that shortfall occasionally. Um, and, I, you know, just to add, making sure to find that balance and to, to really emphasize using the proof that your audience is going to understand. I can't count the number of times I've looked through something and the proof elements they're using is like some obscure magazine that only people who are coding software have heard of and their target audience has never heard of. And I said, you know, that's, it's an authority, absolutely, but it's not an authority people know, so it may not be one that uh, people can really understand the value of getting that kind of recommendation from them. You've been listening to Chatting with Copywriters, where we talked about how to use claims and proof in your copy. If you like this episode, feel free to smash that subscribe button so you get future episodes delivered to your favorite digital device. We'd love your ratings and reviews, so take a few seconds and let us know what you think. Also, if you want to be on an episode, visit our website at chattingwithcopywriters.com slash guests.